lead. Mick Dittman is squeezing through on naturalism's emanations there with heroicity. And here comes Viander Cross. Viander Cross down the outside is motoring home. Naturalism the leader. Viander Cross inch by inch is wearing him down. Naturalism still in front. He ran out near the line, but naturalism wins in a half. This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Pride's Easy Feed. There's a famous old race coming up at Royal Randwick on Saturday, January the 21st. It's the Listed Carrington Stakes, named after an early New South Wales governor and first run in 1886 when Ben Bolt was successful. For 93 years, it was run over 1,200 metres, but they tinkered with the distance. It went to 1,000 metres for 25 years, 1,100 for another decade. The Carrington has been run over 1,400 metres since 2000. 2015. The most celebrated winner of the race is Burnborough, who was a six-year-old when he won in 1945. It was the second of his famous sequence of 15 wins and only two months before he won the new market with 63 kilos. The horse to make the Carrington his own in the 1980s was At Sea, who scored in 85 and 86 for Theo Green and again in 1987 for Pat Webster. In more recent years, the Carrington was the race that saw the enigmatic Tom Melbourne win for the first time in almost three years. In between those wins, he recorded 11 seconds, earning him a reputation as the horse who's forgotten how to win. In the 2019 Carrington, he got a big cheer from the crowd when he strolled home with Blake Shin in the saddle. The Carrington Stakes will be 136 years old when they jump out of the barrier on January the 21st. Anna Roper was in no hurry to make her race riding debut. Early in 2022, she told her boss, Tracy Bartley, she didn't care if she had 40 or 50 trial rides before going to the races. She'd had less than 30, in fact, when trainer Tony Newing offered her the chance to ride AlphaGo in a benchmark 66 over 1,180 metres at Gundagai. Anna was unable to get in any closer than three wide on AlphaGo, but she got the horse into a nice rhythm and rode with composure and confidence to win easily. A few minutes later, her trademark smile appeared on thousands of Sky racing screens around the nation. The little girl from Mangrove Mountain had arrived in spectacular fashion. By season's end, she'd ridden 15 winners. She began the new season with a flurry and in the first four months rode 41 winners and 73 place-getters. At one stage, she was a handful of wins ahead of James MacDonald on the state premiership ladder. Anna got an early reminder of the vagaries of racing at Musselbrook on November the 25th. As she returned to the enclosure after an unplaced ride in race two, the unthinkable happened. Her mount's stable talk suddenly put his head between his legs and bucked like Rocky Ned. Anna was hurled from the saddle and took the brunt of the fall on her right knee, a knee that she'd injured in an accident on the soccer field four years earlier. Diagnosis? Tearing in the posterior cruciate ligament and the medial collateral ligament. Prognosis? six months on the sidelines 
and round-the-clock use of a knee brace. Let's find out how racing's latest whiz kid is handling her newfound celebrity status and the tedium of an enforced layoff. Anna, to use a very old cliché, this can only make you stronger. Yeah, look, um, boredom's definitely a thing with this, but it's going to be a long six months, that's for sure. <laughs> I bet it is. Well, let's find out what makes you tick. Have you copped this on the chin or have you been punching holes in the wall at Mangrove Mountain? <laughs> look, I've, I've been watching the races every every day, just wishing I could be back out there, but it's a lot of physio and that's keeping me busy enough for now. And in watching the races, uh, are you picking out certain jockeys to observe uh, throughout the running of races? Are you making it a learning curve? Yeah. I guess the more racing you watch, the more you learn, that's for sure. But just just watching the horses I would normally ride go around is, is kind of painful, I guess. Mm. Um, but I'm hoping rehab isn't going to be as, as bad as they think and we can get back in the saddle. If a horse is going to buck... You'd expect it to happen before the race, not after. Stable talk led to the 200 metres in that race uh, at Musselbrook before weakening to miss a place. Where were you when he bucked? Were you back at the gate? Uh, it was just before the finished post when you come back into the mounting yard. So hmm. you would expect the horse to be tired by then, but um, he still had a little bit in the tank, obviously, and... Hmm. And he gave gave me a, a good launch into the air. Yeah, you must have got the shock of your life. <laughs> I did once I once I hit the ground. I sort of thought this can't be good. Like I, the pain, the pain was excruciating. So mm-hmm. I, I sort of knew knew something was wrong straight away. Mm. It would have I'm been. St- I'm sorry. Jump straight and and get up and walk away from from something like that. But I guess no, I was not getting up. No, no. There would have been several witnesses, I imagine. Yeah, there was a few people watching. Um, a good friend of mine as a jockey was the first one over to see me and he he thought, yeah, no, you'll get up, you'll be right. But no, I wasn't getting up. Yeah, and who was that, Anna? Uh, Serge Lindsay. Right. Yeah, Serge rides a lot of horses around those uh, provincial tracks and country tracks, does a good job too. Yeah, and he's sort of based out of Wyong, so I see him at track work a lot. Mm. Take us back to the soccer incident that damaged the knee in the first place. How long ago are we talking about? Oh, back when I was in school. So a long time ago, I, just a few dislocations and I had an injury to my patella, right. um, which ended in a surgery to stabilise my patella, but that hasn't caused me any issues in a long time. Mm. You spent one full year on crutches and by your own admission, you became a couch potato. <laughs> Pretty much. There's not much you can do with, with one leg and, and a set of crutches. So I was also studying pretty hard. So leaving the house wasn't really something I was doing very often. No. And the weight crept up? The weight definitely crept up. I um, with the stress of HSC and and all of that going on, I yeah, I got quite heavy. Let's go from the beginning, Anna, which isn't all that long ago in your case. Your two <laughs> elder sisters, Geordie and Erin, 
were heavily involved in horses before you got interested. You started at a very early age. Yeah, um, from what I can remember, I've been riding horses, I guess. Um, they they obviously rode when before I was born and watching them just made me want to ride as well. Started pony club with them and all the way through to inter-schools and, and competing openly. Mm. Did you have smart ponies through those early years? <laughs> I had a very naughty little pony as my first one. He... Um, he taught me to fall very well, um, <laughs> fall and roll, I guess. Um, a few times he taught me to land on my feet. and He was very cheeky, but we, we learn a lot together. Yeah, and he had some talent, obviously, or you wouldn't have kept him that long. <laughs> yeah, I think the cheekiness made me keep him. I sort of like that in the horse. Yeah. <laughs> well, Geordie and Erin, your two sisters, have subsequently terminated their equine interests and... Here are you, their little sister, embarking on a life as a professional jockey. It's hard to believe. Yeah, they they sort of couldn't believe it either. When I when I first started, it was selling all my horses at home to go ride racehorses, and they, none of us really knew much about the racing industry in terms of the fact that my family's never really been involved with the racing industry. But mm. once once it started, they've they've learnt very quickly. Dressage was your next challenge and you won the Australian Youth Championship at Dressage in not long ago, six years ago. Yeah, that was a bit of a highlight of my dressage career. I had an awesome horse, um, FBI. Mm. He was given to me from my sister, actually. Um, and, yeah, that was definitely a big highlight for me. That was down at, in Sydney at SIAC. Later... You fell in love with the eventing pursuit and this became your favourite involvement. You reached the top level of competition. Now, to preserve your modesty, let me say that you won the New South Wales Interschool title in 2019 and the National Interschool Championship in the same year. You're very proud of that. Yeah, it was it was a massive trip up to Toowoomba for nationals and... After winning state, we won state by a fair bit. And mm. Heading up to nationals, we didn't know what to expect, but um, it was it was a big trip and we definitely made it worth it. <laughs> I'll say. Now, Rachel King has always said that the experience she gained in pony club and at horse shows in England helped to make her the jockey she is today. Would you go along with that? Absolutely. You learn so much about the nature of a horse and and how to work with a horse properly and through pony club and all the equestrian side of it and bringing that into the racing industry i guess you sort of understand the horses a little better what what you're asking from them mm. you tell me you muddle through the early years of school but you got pretty serious when the hsc was suddenly on the horizon you started to pay attention <laughs> Yeah, um, I being a vet was always something I wanted to do from a young age. So to buckle down in my HSC and, and get the ATAR I needed was something I was very determined to do. And mm. I ended up getting the ATAR I needed and was soon going to head off to uni. But plans changed and I took the path as a jockey instead. Yeah, you flew through the HSC, didn't you, at uh, Central Coast Grammar School 
and uh, I think you left at 18 years of age. Yeah, um, I I grew to love school towards the end and and really enjoyed studying and learning and working towards something like that. It was it was a bit of a goal for me, so I, I yeah I really liked it. Before enrolling at university, you thought you'd find a way to earn some pocket money. And this is where fate stepped in. A friend offered you a little job that she was unable to accept. Yeah, um, down at down at Gosford with, with Greg McFarland, he, he threw me on a horse um, in the school holidays and I guess one thing led to another and pace work all the way up to a gallop and I was I was hooked on it. That mm. was that was during my schooling years, so yeah, uh, bit of school holiday time there, and and then I'd had the the foundation for track work, and after school was when I when I really got stuck into it. Yeah, you say Greg McFarlane brought an old horse called Sweatball out of retirement purely to teach you the ropes. <laughs> yeah, he was an awesome horse. He definitely had his quirks about him, but. He was he was a cheeky horse, but he he knew his job, and mm. he was always the quickest one out the gates. So sometimes he'd leave me behind in my first couple jump outs, and yeah. until I got to grab hold of some mane and and go with him. Mm. Greg McFarlane took you along very slowly, didn't he? Uh, what were the order of events? I uh, started a bit of slow work um, on some young horses that you could you could ride long and just get a feel for being in a you know track saddle I guess and mm. from there it was straight to straight to some half pace three quarter mm. and into a gallop once he threw me on my first gallop I couldn't believe the feeling and yeah. and how good it felt you were gone <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah well that tuition period with Greg ended and you still felt the need to accumulate some pocket money before going to university. You approached Tracy Bartley, who gave you a start, and because of the experience at McFarland's place, you were able to ride work immediately. And Tracy didn't miss you, did he? He gave you plenty to do. Yeah, well, the first day he sort of tested me out in a few quiet ones. I think I, I rode three my first morning and... The next morning, another track work didn't, rider didn't show up, so I, I think I rode 10 or 12 in the second morning and mm. my legs were absolutely burning by the end of it. But mm. <laughs> that was what was going to happen from then on, six days a week. Mm. Well, your boss, Tracy Bartley, is a multiple Group 1 winning trainer and he was a very good lightweight jockey, Anna, with almost 1,200 winners to prove it. He was still riding work just a couple of years ago, wasn't he? Uh, is he persisting or has he given it away? Just before I got there, he was riding work and I guess I filled his spot. And I, These days you prefer to sit up in the hut and, and watch the horses work where you can hmm. understand exactly what times they're running and what they're doing. So I guess I kind of filled his, filled his spot for him and <laughs> yeah. shot him off the horse. He'd still have a lot to offer as far as tuition's concerned. Yeah, he was he was a brilliant jockey. I've I've heard it from many people and and obviously the results are there to show, but he um yeah, he's been very helpful to me. You had almost thirty trial rides under the belt when Tony Newing 
sought your four-kilogram claim for this horse AlphaGo at Gundagai in April. What was your initial reaction? Did you think about knocking it back? Um, definitely not. Yeah. I was scrapping for Tracy at, at Newcastle that day when, when he got the call and, and told me. Mm. And I I was in a bit of shock. I couldn't believe it, that it was actually going to happen. Mm. First thing I did was think I've, I haven't got even got a saddle. I don't even own any gear. So we were straight on the phone to Marky Sattery to, to order my first lot of gear yeah. to ride this horse. Right, and the gear was delivered uh, to Gundagai Racetrack. Yeah, it turned up in a box in the jockey's room and I walked in with pretty much nothing and <laughs> came mm. out with a full set of gear and my first winner. So the saddle you used on AlphaGo was brand spanking new. Exactly that. It, was, <laughs> <laughs> it needed a good oil, I can say that much. <laughs> You wouldn't have known where Gundagai was, let alone Gundagai Racecourse. Did it feel a bit foreign when you walked into the place? Yeah, I mean, there, were, there was lots of people there. It was a big day down there, but um, I, I'd never really been anywhere bar Newcastle, mm. Wyong and, and Gosford to ride, so I, <laughs> I was very unsure. Mm. Now, your wonderful mum, Kate, had the job of driving you from Summersby to Gundagai, which is a fair hike, and she's been driving you everywhere ever since. Yeah, she she's like my rock. She she comes everywhere with me, and to do the amount of riding I've done in such a short period of time, I, I couldn't have done it without her. Those trips in the car mm. where I'm able to sleep after track work and, and get my rest in before the races, it, it's so important. Mm-hmm. How were you feeling as Tony Newing legged you on board AlphaGo? Butterflies or composed, confident? Definitely nervous. I was very nervous in the mounting yard. Um, once we sort of left the mounting yard and I cantered off on him, he was a horse I'd never ridden before, so mm. it was it was all new to me. And once I cantered off on him, he gave me a beautiful feel and mm. he really made me feel quite comfortable in the saddle. Yeah. Well, you jumped away and you looked to your right you soon realised you were stuck three wide. There was no way you were going to get in there. So you thought, I'll make the best of this. I'll just get him in a rhythm, get him balanced, and see how we go. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Look, Tony said to me before the uh, before the race, he could potentially lead. He's, he's quite quick, but um, just see how you feel and just assess it when, when you're out there. And the speed was on quite quite heavily at the start and I thought mm. probably not the best idea to get into speed battle in my <laughs> my first no. ride. I'll just come back and keep him where he's comfortable and, yeah, it, he loved it. Yeah, he rounded him up for fun too, didn't he, with his big white nose roll. He had him covered just inside the 200. It was all over. Yeah, he's an awesome horse and he's got a massive heart. He's such a beautiful horse to ride race day. He, mm. he really gives every inch that he's got. Well, next thing... You've got a television camera stuck in your face, something you've grown very accustomed to nowadays, but back then it must have frightened hell out of you. I didn't even realise I was really on, on, on live TV, to be honest. I, <laughs> hmm. I was, it was so much shock and adrenaline that someone was talking to me and I just was talking back. It wasn't, 
anything I really had taken into consideration because I didn't expect him to win. No. So you had no idea you were being interviewed? Not really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And mum played, awesome played a little cameo role in that interview too. I can recall seeing it. Yeah, she did. <laughs> well, the winners just flowed after that and it wasn't long before you were the topic of much discussion and it happened so quickly. Yeah, um, my first and my second winner took a little while and once we got the third one under the belt and I was really travelling around around the countryside getting a few a few rides everywhere, it sort of took off quicker than I expected. Mm. I was riding everywhere and getting plenty of results. Your first winning double came courtesy of Luke Pepper, who's been a terrific supporter. Luke put you on two mares at Canberra, 24th of June this year, Rebel Dreamer and Affinity Beyond, and to your delight, they both won. Yeah. Um, Rebel Dreamer was a, a really nice filly that, that Luke sort of had quite a rap on and he, he knew she'd go well if we were drawn wide and we were stuck wide in the track, but it it sort of worked out perfectly for us that day. Once once she let down, she she really gave me everything she had and and let down beautifully out wide in the track. And Affinity Beyond was she's just a little rocket that little horse. She um she jumped about a length in front of them and run them off their legs the whole way. <laughs> it was a catch me if you can sort of ride. Yes. And at Canberra. Dubbo trainer Connie Gregg has been a devout Anna Roper fan. She provided two of the three legs of your one and only treble to date, and that was at Dubbo on August 7. You won on Billy Bentier for Connie, you won on Island Press for Dean Murphan, and you won on Deal Street for Connie in the last race. I bet you didn't feel a thing on the long trip home. I was ecstatic. <laughs> I couldn't believe it, and especially to do it for Connie. I mean, it was my first couple rides for Connie, and Billy is one of her favourite horses. He's he's such an old, a good old horse, and he he tries so hard. And I definitely was not expecting him to win. <laughs> I had my doubts, but he he really gave me everything he had. Deal Street is just a super little horse and Connie's given me so many opportunities on her and yeah. she's done very well and Island Press, he, he was an awesome ride that day for me and one the only one I really thought could win that day but <laughs> we got a few more than we expected. Oh, terrific. Deal Street's been good for you. You won four straight on the horse, uh, three at Dubbo, one at Kembla. Yeah, she... She's got a massive heart. She's only tiny. She's only a very small little horse. So the the weight advantage of a claim really really helps her. But mm. she just she's just a little ripper. She's always last at the turn, and she's happy to go through horses and take gaps. And she gave me so much confidence to ride. Mm. It was just once you straighten up, she you knew she was going to rocket away from them and mm. and give everything she had. Mm. And up went your name with a treble. <laughs> That was a pretty awesome day. Connie trained at Hawkesbury for some years. She moved to Dubbo in 2016 and she takes them where they can win. She was at Cobar Picnics the other day. 
And I notice <laughs> you got to travel all the way to Warren for Connie, where you won on a horse called Brooklyn Star. Yeah, she she definitely does her case, Connie. She um really sets her horses up really very nicely to win and I I know if I'm riding one of hers and she's she's confident about it, she's she's right. She's always spot on with, yeah, with she... how her horses are and she rides a lot of her own work. So she's mm. she knows all, all of her horses, all their quirks and everything about them. So you always know you're gonna get the run down and mm. you're gonna find out what she thinks before the race, which is such a good thing to know. Mm, and she's usually spot on. She's usually pretty spot on. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Anna, I'll get you to stand by for a moment. We're going to clear a commitment on the podcast and we'll be back with you after this. Do any of your horses struggle to finish their feeds during a racing preparation? Have you been unhappy with the way they look on race day? Do what many other trainers do with those finicky horses and introduce them to Pride's easy performance by stimulating their appetites with Pride's highly palatable set recipe feed you might find they're not leaving a flake in their feed bins. Correct nutrition helps racehorses to deal with the stresses of racing and training. It helps them to get that elusive win when they're in the right race and most importantly helps them to bounce back after the event. Pride's Easy Performance provides the ultimate muscle fuel to help horses get to the line while helping them to maintain inner health. Pride's Easy Performance, the complete nutritional feed for equine performance athletes. My special guest is champion first season apprentice Anna Roper. Anna, it's not surprising Dubbo is your favourite track so far. You've ridden more winners there than anywhere else. Yeah, it's a it's an awesome track to ride at, and I guess the trainers down there really really support me, so they're very helpful to to everything I I do out there, and I usually get nearly a full book every time I go there. Mm. You were very chuffed to ride at the famous Grafton July Carnival this year. You had one ride on Cup Day on the horse we've spoken about generously so far, AlphaGo, the horse who gave you your first win just three months earlier. You ran a close second at Grafton uh, to Baika, ridden by Hugh Bowman, and you tell me that was almost as good as a win. <laughs> definitely was. Um, just knowing I was riding in the same race as Huey was, was pretty awesome and we found ourselves side by side in the run and I couldn't believe I was side by side with him, let alone running a very close second with him. Mm. Um, Alpago gave me everything he had and he just carried a lot of weight that day and, and struggled that little bit late but just to run second to Huey was, <laughs> was a dream come true really. Yeah, wonderful. Tracy is wisely holding you back from Metropolitan Racing. He wants you to squeeze every ounce out of your country and provincial claims, gaining valuable experience as you go. But he did let you enjoy a small sample of metropolitan racing at a Warwick farm midweek of recently. You had three rides on the day, one for Trace, one for Rod Bailey, one for Damien Lane. You had a second, a third and a fourth, and you fancied it. Yeah, I... <laughs> riding in town is so different like the way to do it is obviously to 
write out your country claim and move to the provincials and, and then make your move to town. But having that little taste of it, even without winning, was <laughs> was an awesome day. The way they ride and what you can learn from riding with, with the top jocks is, is definitely something to look forward to. You rode your old mate Deal Street at a Rose Hill midweek or two recently. Unplaced, but you loved every minute of it. Yeah, that was my very first ride in the Metropolitan and just to ride her there for Connie was, was pretty special. Have you had any offers uh, from trainers to ride in the city? I'm yeah, sure you plen- have. Yeah, plenty, but um, I sort of made the decision with my manager to, to take that step back and, and stay in the bush and at the provincials for a while until we can really work through the claim the way it's meant to be. Yeah, that's wise. Anna, that is very, very wise. Your dad, Jeff, isn't a racing fanatic, but he works from home and he watches most of your rides on Sky Racing. Do you think he's starting to pick up the finer points of horse racing? He's definitely learning quite quickly. I'll, I'll come home from a race meeting and he'll be able to spot something or he's he's he got, he's got the races going all day and, and make sure he's, he's watching and he's up to date with what, where we are or what's going on. <laughs> mm. He hasn't given you any uh, critiques, any criticism? <laughs> I don't think he could. <laughs> I don't think he'd try either. <laughs> <laughs> How did you feel when you looked at the Racing New South Wales jockey statistics recently and you were number one in the state, a few wins ahead of James McDonald? I think you took a screenshot. <laughs> I, I most certainly did, um... That was a pretty amazing moment at the start of the season when I, I really had a good run for a few days and and it, it sort of didn't stop. Obviously, James is James is James and he's he's crazy, but mm. to, to, just to be sitting second behind him for most of the season while I was riding was incredible. James and Hugh, I'm sure, would be among your role models. Uh, do you find yourself watching these top jockeys analytically? Yeah, definitely. Saturdays um, in town, you pick, you can pick them out straight away, and, and they're, they're always they're always good to watch and good to learn from. So, mm. n- not being in the races with them, but just being able to watch them is pretty good. You haven't had a race ride on either Kiss Sum or Barossa Rosa, but you've ridden both of them. Uh, in track work uh, on many occasions for Tracy Bartley. Uh, both lovely horses. Kiss Sum, I believe, has gone for a spell. Yeah, he's he's a very funny horse to ride track work. He's one of the laziest horses you'll find going round. He hangs his head really low and just canters along. He's, he's a very cool dude to ride. And as soon as he get, comes off the track, he just wants to get home as quickly as possible. He's a... He's a very fast walker, that horse. So, But he's one of the best horses to ride track work in our stables. Um, I've always loved riding work on him. Same with Barossa. She's a beautiful mare. Just lovely to ride. Well, Barossa Rosa was the recipient of the tie-back surgery. She's won a race at Randwick since, and uh, you'd be confident in uh, predicting that she's going to win more city races. Yeah, definitely. Um, I rode her trial before she went to that race. Um, She trialled enormous, and Trace and I both knew that. I think he was quite confident heading towards that race. You won a race for the boss recently. 
on a quirky little mare called Mabel. Now, you tell me she's an absolute pest, but you love her to death. <laughs> she, yes, she most certainly is. She's very cheeky to ride track work, and but she's got the biggest heart. She's such a beautiful horse in the stables. She's she's nearly like a pet. She has her first box and loves her carrots, and um, but she's, she's a very fast mare too. Um, riding, riding her at Hawkesbury that day was pretty awesome to get on her for Trace. Um, it was pretty awesome. Mm. Now, you're going to be watching horses over the next, you know, three or four months that you know you would have been on. That's the tough part, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, just watching them go around the week after the fall on ones that I was supposed to be riding and and just watching the races, it's, it's very painful. <laughs> of course it is, Yeah. Getting back to Mabel, she's already the winner of four races, Anna. So uh, she's well on her way. Yeah, she's always been a talented horse and I rode her all last prep when when she was winning races and I used to strap her every time she got to the races. So it was a highlight for me to be riding her track work and then to come out and win on her myself was, was amazing. Mm. You've been surrounded by horses all of your life, dressage horses, eventers, pony clubbers, you name it, uh, and you live on property, don't you, at Summersby, close to Gosford. Any horses there at the, currently? Uh, not really. Um, we've sold pretty much all of my com- competitive horses, um, all the ones I used to compete on at, in, in eventing and dressage. We've got one little pony left that we bred, and she's a cheeky little bugger, but mm. she's, she's just here by herself now. Yeah. So, Anna, what do you do to relax? Um, What is your recreation on a day off, which are very rare, of course? Um, Heading to the beach, definitely, in summer. Mm. I used to love the beach as a kid and any opportunity I get between riding and going to the races, it's definitely straight down there for a swim in the salt water and Mm. a bit of time in the sun. Right. Well, you'll probably, uh, once that knee brace comes off, uh, you'll be looking for the salt water therapy. Yeah, definitely. I don't think they'll let me swim yet, but no. <laughs> hopefully soon. There was a time when the lady jockeys' rooms all around Australia were largely uninhabited, but nowadays they're bursting at the seams. Rachel Murray was telling me recently, Anna, she got to Moree one day and she had to put her luggage in the corridor outside the lady jockey's room. She couldn't find a seat in there. Yeah, there's a lot of up-and-coming female jockeys. There's plenty of apprentices around, and and you've also got the seniors in the room as well. So it's, it's very busy, most of the time more busy than the boys' room. Mm. You're riding with some great girls, and I know you've had some wonderful help uh, from a few of them. Michaela Weir, for instance. Yeah, she's been awesome. Her and, and Brooke Stower, they've, they've really helped me out with anything I need all the time. And if it's to do with it being in between weights or or just where I'm going to be in a race, a speed map or anything, they're, they're always there to lend a hand. Yeah, and Alicia Collett is another one of your idols. Yeah, going moving into the provincials, sort of leash, leash took me under a wing a bit and and always been there to help me out, watching replays and 
and knowing the trainers a bit a bit better in the provincial area, she's she's very good with all that stuff. Mm. How mobile are you? Have you been able to get to a race meeting at all? Yeah, I've been to a few actually. I love going down and watching for the day. So I had it. I had up to. Oh, I went up to Newcastle not long ago and and down to Wyong the other day. So mm. it's nice to be out and see everyone and and pop into the jockey's room and say hi. Yeah, good on you. Do you go to the horse stalls and talk to the boss? I haven't actually been to a meeting. He's, he's had a horse out yet. But, mm. um, I went into the stables for a, a owner's breakfast the other morning and it was good to see everyone and all the horses. You've got a frustrating six months ahead. Make that five. Hopefully it won't be anywhere near that long. Be patient. Uh, be happy, Anna, because you know that injury will repair. You know you'll be back. And just keep telling yourself you're only 20 and you've got a long time ahead of you. I hope so. I hope it isn't that long, but we can only cross our fingers and, and do all the physio they're telling me to do for now. Um, to be back in the saddle would be unreal, but it takes time. Any long-range projects, long-range ambitions? Um being successful in, in Sydney is is the one really big one I've got. Um, be able to ride out my country claim and then move into the provincials and metropolitan areas and, and be successful as a female apprentice is, is definitely just the, the biggest goal I've got. Anna, thanks for sharing your remarkable story with us on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound. Lovely to chat. Thank you. There's a famous old race coming up at Royal Randwick on Saturday, January the 21st. It's the Listed Carrington Stakes, named after an early New South Wales governor and first run in 1886 when Ben Bolt was successful. For 93 years, it was run over 1,200 metres, but they tinkered with the distance. It went to 1,000 metres for 25 years, 1,100 for another decade. The Carrington has been run over 1,400 metres since 2000. 2015. The most celebrated winner of the race is Burnborough, who was a six-year-old when he won in 1945. It was the second of his famous sequence of 15 wins and only two months before he won the new market with 63 kilos. The horse to make the Carrington his own in the 1980s was At Sea, who scored in 85 and 86 for Theo Green and again in 1987 for Pat Webster. In more recent years, the Carrington was the race that saw the enigmatic Tom Melbourne win for the first time in almost three years. In between those wins, he recorded 11 seconds, earning him a reputation as the horse who's forgotten how to win. In the 2019 Carrington, he got a big cheer from the crowd when he strolled home with Blake Shin in the saddle. The Carrington Stakes will be 136 years old when they jump out of the barrier on January the 21st.